Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods. Check them out, your local dealer. Um, this episode, we have Butch Brown and Fumio Ogoshi. Uh, I reached out to Fumio a while ago, probably about three months ago, and uh, asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast. He's like, hey, Butch said he wanted to come on too. So I said, let's do it. So this is a good one. We do a little Q&A, and we talk about some different stuff like anchoring, um, different use of baits, new innovative stuff, their opinion on it. It was a great episode. Thank you, Butch and Fumio again. Um, check out the Patreon this month, Black Dog, Three Punkers, and a uh, Phoenix Rod. So you'll get each person will win. Three people win. First place gets the punker and the rod. Second gets a punker. Third gets a punker. Thank you, Jeremy Anderson, for sponsoring the podcast uh, this month. I appreciate it. And... I think that's about it. Oh, check out the YouTube. This will be up the same time. So if you're listening to it and you want to see my ugly mug and Butch and Fumio, you can look at the YouTube version. And uh, next week, we've got a, a couple good ones coming your way. Good. Bup, bup, bup. So, um, and we got an announcement this week. So if you guys are Calico fishermen, we have something cool coming on, coming up. So please keep your eyes out for that. Please give us five stars on iTunes and a positive review. Thanks, guys, for listening. Oh. Forgot. Uh, jump on the charter. There's a couple spots left with uh, Butch, Fumio, uh, Mac Ting. A couple other guys are going to be on the, on there as well. It's a 26. Call Redondo Beach Sport Fishing. Um, and you can see all the info on my Instagram. You can see where to go. So please call. There's a couple more spots that's filled up. Thank you for all the support. Later. Yeah, I can. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right, I think we're ready to go. We're recording. Today we have uh, another piece of the puzzle because we heard about Fumio on your original podcast. Mm -hmm. And we have Butch Brown again. And Fumio, how do you say your last name? Ogoshi. Ogoshi, okay. Mm -hmm. So Fumio is a neighbor of mine. He lives really close, so that was kind of cool to find out. Yeah, like five minutes away. Yeah, yeah. We go to the same park. (laughs) Right? Yeah, we do. We talked about this special park that's around here. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and there's some good fish there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Let me make sure this is recording. Yes. Okay. Um, so this is a great podcast because there's a lot to this one. I have tons of questions. We're going to try to do a call in a couple call-ins. Um, let's start with Butch because I guess if you listen to Butch's podcast, he talks about Fumio. So let's talk about when you guys met. Go ahead, Fum. Oh, 
Uh, we met. Uh, I was well. I had spent a lot of time shore fishing at the lagoon. This was back in 2006. Mm-hmm. I'd recently gotten married, and about the only time I could fish was like these wee hours, like 2 a.m. So I used to fish from like 2 a.m. to like 7 a.m., 8 a.m. The lagoon was open then? Yeah, the lagoon is open, like shore fishing, like basically 24 hours, mm-hmm. you know, on the, uh, on the uh, what's that, the, e- the east shore. East side. East side, yeah. So I was just fishing, and then, you know, just doing my thing. And then back then, I was just fishing whatever. I wasn't a swim baiter or anything. And um, Butch just happened to come by. He was uh, chasing a school of shad. And uh, sometime in the summer, he used to net shad, especially for these uh, fishing sort of trips. They they used to have, what was it, like fishing for kids and Cast stuff? Cast for kids. Cast for oh, kids. so you would get the shad and have it for the kids. Guaranteed so they could <laughs> yeah. catch fish. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So he was looking for shad, and he just came right in front of me, and he's like, oh, hey, I didn't know you were fishing there. Can I, you know, net these shad? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I was thinking, wow, that's much brown, you know? But <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. And so he came, and he netted the shad and stuff, and then, um, and then I didn't really talk to him for a while after that. Like, I was just shore fishing. Our times didn't coincide. And then in 2008, I bought a boat. Mm-hmm. Boat I still use. Which boat is that? Uh, this is a Skeeter 180. Did you get it from anglers? No, I bought it used. Oh, okay. Yeah, from somebody in Buena Park. So oh, it was really? a used right deal. around the corner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I bought that boat like near the end of 2008. And initially, I wasn't it. I wasn't taking it to Castake, but I started uh, fishing putting stone. Yeah, it, it's closer. You know, I, I was new to boating. I didn't know anything about launching a boat. So just to practice, I took it to Pud, and I was fishing there. Did you did you learn that lake pretty well? Not really. That's a yeah, hard cause, lake. Yeah, because <laughs> I was there for just a really short time. Mm-hmm. And then I started going back to the lagoon to, to fish there. I really wanted to fish there, you know. And so that was 2008. I so in 2008, there. you could launch a Skeeter in the lagoon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Electric motor only. Yeah, so you just go through a trolling only. motor and just yeah, run. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you still do that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's the only way you can be there okay. still like that. And then so I started fishing there and I just uh I just sort of stayed away from Butch in the beginning. I don't want to seem like you know like, a fanboy. Yeah, because he has like tons of those. Like I would be in line waiting to launch and I would literally see guys get out of the car, go up to Butch, because he'll be in front of line and, and start like asking stuff or like, Hey, can you take me fishing and all that? And I I, I saw that and I'm like Okay, I don't want to People really like come up to you and ask you if they could take you. Oh, some, yeah. some offer $1,000 a day. Are yeah. you serious? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I've guess, seen yeah. that. And, you know, when, when when we started fishing together, we'll be in the, I'll be in Butch's truck, and people would come up and they would offer Butch $1,000, $1,500 to, was know, hey, this, can you take uh, me fishing? Was this pre the pre your big fish? Um, what year did you catch the big fish? Shoot, I forgot. But this must have been after for was sure. It? Yeah, 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 probably yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. It was okay. after because this was like 2010. Yeah. Okay, okay. 10-ish, you know? And so... Uh, so uh, You had your boat. Yeah, so I had my boat. And then, you know, I was just doing my own thing. And I probably spent like a whole year just fishing and not bothering Butch, you know? And then one day I was just, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I was just putting my stuff away in the parking lot. And then he, he came up to me and said, hey, you know... 
I see you fishing out here. Are you are you catching any? I'm like, well, well, yeah, a little bit, but not a whole lot. I had caught a few nice fish, but you know, were you swim bait fishing at the time or not? As a much? little bit, but okay. I wasn't really dedicated to it. I was doing everything. I was fishing, you know, senkos and drop shots and everything, you know, crankbait and. I, I hadn't fished that much throughout my college and grad school years. So when I got back into it, like everything was new, everything was cool. I just wanted to do everything, you know? So that's what I was doing. And then and then we just started chatting in the parking lot. And then he was nice enough to uh, rig me a HUD, you know, a oh, couple nice. of them. You know? So I'm like, oh, jeez, <laughs> you know, I got put from rigged HUD, you know? I know how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, we started chatting a little more in the lake. And most of it was kind of like, uh, hey, Fumi, uh, how, you, how you doing? Like, uh, no, no, not bad. I got a few. And like, how'd you do? Oh, I got a couple of small ones in the live well. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And like, uh, can you take pictures? And I'm like, Butch Brown takes pictures of small fish. Well, that's kind of cool, you know, because I was taking <laughs> pictures of... You know, because I was taking pictures of everything, you know? I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then he opens up his live one. It's like a 10 and a 12 in there. I'm like... And that went on for a while, like where I was taking Butch's pictures you left and right. You know, you're like, like small fish, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, and I'm kind of struggling. The lagoon's a pretty yeah. difficult place to catch big ones, especially, you know, and consistently. Mm-hmm. It's pressure. It's, you know, it's a small place. So um, It's offshore, too. Yeah. Know. How deep does so, it get in the lagoon? Seven, close to 70 feet. Really? That's yeah. pretty deep. Not too bad, you yeah. know. It it was seventy. It's probably about sixty five now mm-hmm. with the silt coming in and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So you know we got to know each other, and then uh, you know we started fishing a little bit. You know, uh, he he showed me stuff, and uh, like some days I would anchor my boat and hop on his boat okay. and we go fishing, and so that's how you know we started fishing and we became friends. And uh, I think we have like pretty similar sense of humor. We kind of have this sarcastic <laughs> sense of humor, and uh, we we just got along really well. You know, our style of fishing, and uh, once we started fishing, we were really focused. You know, and uh, I was trying to learn as much as possible. You know, I'm like I'm fishing with Butch Brown, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna learn. You know, <laughs> and so I, I tried to learn as much as possible. But just personality-wise, we got along really well. Mm-hmm. So that's why we've been friends for so long. And and uh. <clears throat> You yeah, know, got my uh, biology teacher here, and I'm yeah, a drywaller. A big... <laughs> so, and then we're sitting there, and I go, "Yeah, it's my birthday." <laughs> then he looks over at me. It's my birthday too. Yeah, no right. way. This was what a yeah. couple days ago, right? Well, yeah, we yeah, held up our licenses. Yeah. Same birthday. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. That's weird. It's yeah. crazy, isn't it? I was like, no way. I thought he was kidding. You guys you are know? both 40 like, years old. No yeah, way. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's my son. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I still feel yeah. 40, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'd go through the seasons when he first started with me. Yeah. And I, you know, he'd be in the back. And I remember one day I called him up and I said, hey, it's the end of the day. I said, Fumi, you see where I'm out offshore? I go, you need to come down here and put an ice jig on full speed. No I go, way. all the fish migrated from the back in the fall yeah. and got on this flat that no one really targets. And it was like 200 fish days. I mean, you'd had to leave. It, your hands were just... Would you fish him with an ice jig? Yeah. yeah. Well, if it was so fast. Yeah. You know, I, I would pick kids up off the shore and bring them out. <laughs> just to get a bit. And say, hey, this is what bass fishing's like. Yeah. And then they'd catch one and they'd go, oh, that's my personal best. And then... 
the other kid would catch one. Oh, that's my personal best. I go, well, throw him in the live well. And then they'd catch it. Oh, that's my personal best. That's And I go, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> you guys can put your limit in the live well. We'll go in, and I'll take your picture. Then you got to cut them loose. Yeah. And those kids now are, one works at a tackle shop, and he's a successful fisherman. Wow. The other one moved to Texas, and he's a good fisherman. He wins a lot of float tube stuff there. Really? Yeah. Wow, so that's cool to, that you made an influence uh, with the kids. Try like to that. help them out, you know, and uh, it did good. Uh, I just lost my uh, sound. Did you? Uh, there it went. You got it? Yeah. You hear it? Yeah. All right. Good. And we'd go through the spinnerbait times, you know, uh, you know, because I make that spinnerbait. Do you still make that a lot? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I gave out a lot of them on the last thing here, <laughs> you know. I do 500 a year and. And uh, they're usually gone by the end of the year. Are you bending those with a uh, bender or your own? No, I just get the preforms. And, okay. And they're the 40 wire. And they have the wire cannot be the stiff, musky kind of wire. It has mm-hmm. to be strong. It has to be twisted because the big bass just straightens them right out. Yeah. And you still got to feel that blade throbbing down there. And it's it just gets them. It's, How heavy do you go with them? I got a three-quarter and a one-ounce. Okay. And so pretty the, heavy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, with a full six inch trailer, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, but we just went along and yeah, kept trying to get Fumi a, a double digit, you know, and sometimes he'd call me up. We'd talk to each other at, you know, because I had to work that day and mm-hmm. I'd say, well, go anchor up over here, Fumi, and do this and do that. How well, long did it take you to get that? It was pretty quick. <laughs> I don't was remember it? exactly, but like... When I started fishing with Butch, it was like third or the fourth trip fishing with Butch. Yeah. Because I remember catching it, and he looks at me, and the first thing he said was, was that so hard? And he knew right off the bat. He knew when it's a double digit. You I can tell by the look of their rod and what it yeah. does. Okay. You know, yeah, usually so. it just loads up and then goes like this, and <laughs> I just go, there it is right there. Yeah. You know, you're ready yeah. to go. So, you know. <clears throat> so yeah. at this time, were you uh, studying? Marine biology, biologist, what were you doing at the time? Uh, at that time, I was already teaching. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had done my, um, uh, when I was an undergrad, I, I studied marine bio, and then I switched over to studying neuroscience for my graduate school. Okay. And then I had already finished my postdoc at UCLA, and I'm uh, teaching already at okay. Cypress College. But sort of early on, I started teaching full-time at Cypress College, I think, 2006 seven-ish okay so by yeah 2008 2009 2010 you're already you know i was fishing you know the the lagoon on the weekends you know almost every weekend um so when you met butch did you guys kind of break fish down a little since you knew the uh, mechanics of the fish a little differently than a regular angler you know a little bit but I, i would say most of it was me trying to learn from butch you know okay uh i i was purposely kind of trying not to learn fishing from like a biological standpoint you know because then like like they do things that don't make sense you know and so i was just trying to learn how to fish and especially and that was the, more climate. of the mechanics for the big bait stuff, yeah right? it, okay yeah it was everything it was everything from like like things i learned from butch i i, I try to break it down in three different areas but this is going to sound really nerdy, but, you know. No, people want to hear this. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a teacher, and I, that's how I sort of approached it. Uh, I felt like 
you know, I have a great opportunity to learn here, so I'm going to make the best of it. And so I, I sort of, so one area where I tried to learn from Butch is just, I kind of call it like intellectual fishing, you know, that, that sounds a little snobby, but it's more like fishing methodically, you know, with a purpose. Um, not, that, just, not just chucking and whining, just yeah, actually thinking yeah, about it. Like, before, like, okay. like, you know, like thinking about the pathway your swim bait is taking, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, that, so I ter- try to learn in that area. And then also in the area of basically equipment, knowing your tackle equipment really well. And when you fish with Butch, you'll realize that he's meticulous in everything. Everything from like which hook has what size barb to like stuff for his live well, you know. Um, anchor, which anchor rope, everything was like, you know, he, he had a reason for using this, using that. So the equipment, and then the other area was in the area of like fishing was confidence, you know, like, like he used to tell me, Fumio, you got to believe, you know, and I used to think, what does that really mean? You know, and and he meant more than like wishing I wasn't going to catch a 10, but no, really yeah. believing that I'm going to do it and having that confidence. like uh, How big do you think both of yeah. you guys think that plays? Like, I feel like, for me, I gain confidence once I get bit on that bait. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever it might be, whatever I'm doing. Yeah. When some people can actually build the confidence through their mind, I don't think I can do. I just, I don't know. Right. Does For that sure. play a huge part in the fishing? Like, say you picked up a new lure. And you don't know how confident you feel, but you got to know, hey, you got to be confident in this, but would you do something like that? That's where it's come along with the HUD and the 250 and a couple of other baits. And, you know, when I get out there, I'm confident 100%. You know, like look at the last week, you know, I got the word 10 days ago (laughs) and caught, I don't know how many big fish, you know, to, to put up for, for this stuff. And I knew that, like last Sunday when I got or got off, or Saturday when I got off work, I knew I would go get a big one. And I went down there in the third cast, boom, there's a 10-pounder in a boat. Yeah. Packed it up. I went home. I was done early. And then I went back on my birthday on Monday at uh, 3 in the afternoon and, and looked on the Internet to see how many happy birthdays I had <laughs> so I can remember in case I caught one. And I caught one like the fourth cast. And then I was able to get in front of the camera and yeah. thank 200 people for the birthday wishes, you know, but yeah, when you're on a roll, confidence is everything and you just go all day long, chucking spot, spot, the type of bite that it is right now, mm-hmm. you know, because the, I, I think there's like three different kinds of fish in the lake. Okay. There's the fish that stay shallow and they eat the bait that gets thrown out of the weeds from the coot diving down and they stay there all year and they're usually the bigger ones mm-hmm. you have the fish that migrate to the other end of the lake that feed on the deep water shad and they pretty much stay down there until the temperature change then you have the nomads the ones that go down there and then when the water warms up they follow some of that bait back into the shallows where the other fish are they hang out for an hour or two in the afternoon and then they go back and i got them figured out just how they are and then I usually look at the type of day it is, and I'll know if they're going to show or not, or if I'm looking for the ones that are that are just going to be down in those shallows. And they're the green ones, the big mm-hmm. ones, and they're looking for – I'm fishing coot, birds, mud hen, and they're, they dive. And I've shown Fumi this, and they dive, and we used to do the spinnerbait thing, but right now it's the, 
the swim bait thing. Mm-hmm. And they go down and they, they decimate the weeds. And then eventually there's clumps here and there. And then you, got, you can read the cood and they know where those weeds are because they're on them. So you get down on them. And you throw through that. And you roll through and then you hit that clump of weeds. And you snap it out of there. And you still got weeds and you snap it again. And when it's fallen down, they think it's escaping Okay. And it's a reaction hit, and that's how all those fish are biting right now. And uh, there's also, you have to weigh in the factor of what time of year this is and the water the water level, because right now we have low water. Okay, so that's why they're there. Mm-hmm. If we had high water and they topped it off, those coot couldn't get down to those weeds, and so it'd be more of a mass and a die-off of the weeds and stuff. But now they've got those fish confined in these places, and when I go around the lake, I know exactly where those weeds are. Mm-hmm. And I have landmarks everywhere. You know, Are so you marking I, that? You're not even needing the electronics because you know no, oh, off of this point or off of this yeah. tree or off of this. No electronics yeah. on it at mm-hmm. all. Ever. Period. No, I, I look a little bit in the morning okay. when I'm coming through the edges. But when I'm throwing swim baits and I'm drifting and doing my thing, I go, it's very little trolling motor. And usually it's the anchor. And it's... Uh, You're still anchoring? Yeah. Okay. And we talked about that this week, okay. about the anchoring and about the benefits of it. Yeah, exactly. Tell yeah, them? no, that's... Yeah. This, stuff like this is, like, very interesting. There, where, it yeah. means a lot because right now everybody's buying the the Ultrex with the spot <laughs> So lock. much money, Okay, dude. <laughs> so stop. I'm watching these guys on the water and they're not getting bit. I talked to two of them today and they finally realized that you know, I, I got something here, but I'm on the anchor and I'm catching double digit fish all week long. Mm-hmm. They're not catching fish. They go out and they hit that spot lock and they're like, say, within 12 or 14 feet of water, which is the magic number right now. Yeah. OK, so that that trolling motor is going to stay on that spot and it's got I, a you servo. You could probably hear my son. It, it banging may, on the window. I lost my sound again. Uh, did you? Uh, it's the. This is. There you go. There you go. I'm sorry, no, my son's one, banging on the the freaking. There you go. Is that good right there? Yeah. Okay. And and they have a servo on the top that keeps them in the GPS position. So you hear that noise, okay? And then on top of that, the motor's kicking on and off to keep you in that position. Well, when you're casting a swim bait and you're looking for the biggest fish of your life or a double digit fish that's probably been caught before, mm-hmm. and you're bringing that swim bait in, and you get it. Like, have you ever tried to sneak up on carp? You, you can you can blow in on them uh-huh. with no trolling motor, but when you get 20 feet from them and you tap that trolling motor just a little bit, Done. they're gone. Uh-huh. Okay, well, you're bringing a swim bait in, and you're coming along, and you got your $3,000 trolling motor, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's 20 feet from the boat, there's probably one tracking you somewhere, and all of a sudden that trolling motor kicks on. Well... You know it throws sound through the water, so why? I think it ruins your chances of catching that fish when when something like that happens because they feel it, they know it. That's crazy. so you got to be a... quiet, stay off that trolling motor on every cast. You don't touch the trolling motor because if you if he's down here and you tap it, he's gone. Yeah, they know danger. They're not stupid. They're yeah. they're on they're on the water every day when boats are around, so they know. What's your uh, recommendation for an anchor? Like, say, if someone's like, man, I really want to get one, what do you use? You got to have one that is more like a mushroom type of an anchor or a river anchor. Okay. 
and then it's got to be just heavy enough to hold you in the wind. You can always let out more scope, but the key is is that you want to set up on your spot, okay, where you want to be, but your spot's down there, and then, you know, when you want to go down another half a cast or something, you just hit the trolling motor and and drag it to that point, and then fish, and like Fumi was saying before. Oh, so this is a, a really good point, like you just made is you're almost using them together as one piece of the puzzle is going, I'm anchored up, but if I want to move a little, you hit, like you said, you're hitting the trolling motor, getting that spot, letting it drift a little back at a new spot. Yeah. Yeah. Work your way down, work your way out, whatever. And and then come back two hours later or something. Cause you know, you probably pretty much blow anything that's behind you. (laughs) And if you got a guy that pulls up next to you, just blow through the anchor and shuts his bite down. You come back two hours later and you catch fish. (laughs) It's all, it's all strategic out there. And I have it happen all the time. But it would be more of a swim bait style um, anchoring system because like Fumi pointed out, you're not, just because you're anchored, you're not throwing off that spot because you have scope out. You want to fill them in about the swing? Yeah, so, so um, you know, when, when you're anchoring, so when he's talking about anchoring, he's not talking about, like, double anchoring like some guys do when you're fishing crawdads. Mm-hmm. He just has, you know, one anchor line. And so depending on the scope and the wind and everything, you know, you, you swing, right? You yeah. naturally swing. And so what I learned from Butch is that you got to anchor in such a way that when you swing, you have good coverage of that spot you're fishing and so you don't just randomly anchor oh, you know but you, so you anchor. want to swing like you're covering yeah. like you're fan casting mm-hmm. but you're doing it with your boat yeah. off of an yeah. anchor so anchoring oh, doesn't 50 mean yards of radius yes. yes so anchoring doesn't mean like you only get like three casts at that spot and you're done but like you you anchor in such a way that when you're swinging way to the right you can fish the right side of that spot and then when you swing to the left, you can fish the left. How edge much of that line spot. are you letting out from the anchor to do that swing? I, I guess that that all depends on depends the depth on the wind. and the okay. wind and everything. Yeah, wow. You know, so it, it depends. So then that will dictate how much you swing, right? And so, you know, if you know your spot really well and you know how big the area is, then that'll also dictate like where you're gonna anchor and how much line scope you're gonna let out, mm-hmm. so that you're not swinging too much. You know, and you're off the spot, but you're swinging just enough so that you get good coverage of that spot. And then you, you know, and then you um, cover, of course, everything in between. Do you do the same thing with anchor, like on your boat? I anchor, yeah, I anchor a lot. So anchoring is one of those swim bait techniques that, like, you don't hear anybody else talk about or use, right? Like at Paris, I hardly, I'm I'm not sure if I've ever seen anybody anchoring and swim bait fishing. Well, guess what, guys? Everyone's going to be yeah. there's, there's a lot, <laughs> lot of flats to fish, and we fish yeah. a black anchor rope, you know, least detectable. There's really, you know, stuff like that. You guys just, think yeah, all even those stuff like things. that, Butch thinks of. So, when I was talking about That's, how Butch yeah. thinks about every detail of every little equipment, even things like color of the anchor line, even like the uh you know how rough it is it's like well don't get an anchor line that's too rough on your hands because it will make you not want to use it you know and so even that kind of stuff you'll think about what about smell you know oh i use garlic do you all the time i i, I have those all those the bang vi- the bang or you the- got it buddy 
I had one blow up in my console once. Yeah, they get stinky. Huh? <laughs> what, but the, everything. Yeah. The bang is the well, best. That's good luck for <laughs> swim, swim baits only. You know, rubber. Yeah, yes. I don't put it on any hard baits or glide baits because it it'll it'll it doesn't really make any it doesn't difference. Doesn't make a difference. But I'll, I spray probably every. 20th cast or when i'm traveling the bang and the bang cleans the bait up makes it shiny and i got the guys that like using it and i used to wrap it in uh black Black tape so nobody could tell what i was spraying out there but all those videos i just lost my sound did you i'm sorry this there you go i thought i gave you a better one i gave you the shitty one i might give you mine in a second Uh, it was hold on there you go okay good yeah but uh you know, the, all those fish that I posted recently all had uh, bang on the rubber swim bait, you know, prior to the casting. You know, the boat stinks. It gets on the lens of the camera. My clothes stink. <laughs> but uh, I've used it for years and years and years. Yeah. And it, uh, it, really, it really works. It's cheap. And uh, I don't use the, the smelly jellies or the procures or any of that mm-hmm. because they're more petroleum-based. And, like, if you put it on a depth, it'll rot the skin. Yeah. And it'll, you know, and it'll ruin the bait. So you want to keep it off Which makes sense. I used to put a lot of the, when I I used to fish uh, halibut from the surf a lot. And you Mm -hmm. put it on the um, the Lucky Crafts. Oh. After the time, it'd start, you know. Yeah. Starting to look bad. Well, you got to look at it this way. If you have a car that leaks oil, usually after a period of time, it rots out the 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 rubber seals in the front (laughs) on your ball joints and stuff. So it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, you want to use the proper... um, If you're going to do it, put it on the back of the head maybe a little bit or something, but not near the tail. You don't need to put it all over the place, you know. Do you think that you know the lake good enough where you could use any bait and still get bit? No. No? No. It's got to be a certain bait. has to be a certain bait. Yeah, it has to be be certain baits. Is it all profile more or is it... I think it, it's action and profile okay. and uh, confidence and everything because a lot of baits are not painted. They're painted nice, but in the water they just don't look. So really? they look like a they look like a Disneyland trinket to me. You feel like so some of know? these paint jobs. Uh, this is another great topic. Like I was talking to Gilbert, he's like, sometimes it's the be- the most you can do. So some of these paint jobs are just too too much you think for the fish i think so. they need to be a little more subtle depends what fish you're you're you're, yeah. you're targeting you know like you can go back into the other states and mm-hmm. minnesota and all through there and you know those are big fish days and they're going to eat that kind of stuff you know they eat crankbaits they catch 100 fish days back yeah there. but you come out here to california it's not like that you know plus you have a lot of guys put silver hooks on them or black hooks so you got this black hook on a white belly that's that's flopping around or you know and these big big bass have eyes as big as us and they they, they you, notice everything do you wrap the hooks with a braid around it you know some people will do that Mm-mm. the trebles you think that adds a little too much i use bronze hooks and feathers no feathers no feathers okay. feathers on a glide bait uh, restrict the glide really yeah, it's like getting a piece of moss on there 
just mm. holds it back. Yeah. You know, when I tune these up or do what I'm doing to them, like you'll see with that one when you finally go yeah. fish it, <laughs> it's going to shoot out about four or five feet. How many people did you get messaging to tune the baits after the podcast? Uh, I get a lot. <laughs> I get them every week. I was you wondering. Know. I, had to, I had to shut it down around Thanksgiving because I wanted to go fish. Yeah. Oh, I, you I know, get So it. I sort of <laughs> shut it down because I got one load of a – 20 something baits from another guy and you know they were starting to come in in tens and 20s from one guy here and yeah. there and it was like jesus man that's <laughs> that's 20 hours of my work here and you know and it's not like you, you couldn't pay me what i make in a two, day two or by yeah. the hour to make it worth it it's all done because i want to do it because i want you to catch fish yeah. And I want you to do what I'm doing, you know, because it's it's it works. Yeah, you know, but there's, the, you have to, you have to find you have to t- find the guys that are going to take it, or take what I want to give them, and the information that I have, like a couple that I'm mentoring up north and stuff like that, and at my lake, and and let them build on that, and be successful. Like the kid I told you about, Zach. Mm-hmm. That's up north. Yes. Okay. I don't know if he had a 10-pound bass on our last. He's got five bass over 10 pounds now, Damn. and he's got two teeners. Wow. Already. That's great. And he just got his boat, what, two years ago, maybe mm-hmm. three, and he's learning, he's he's learning very... his lake. He listens. Yes. And he does, and he gets it. You, you know? guys think that? He list... looks at the moon. He, 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 yeah. He gets it. He gets the, he calls me, and I'll say, what time was it? And he'll say this. I say, well, what did you just notice? You know, so he, you know, he'll be one to reckon with up in his neighborhood. That's missing. I I think it is this day. People don't want to listen as much. They want to just go, 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 go. Well, they want their own path. They want to create their own style, their own path. You know, it's like you look at the baits that are being made now. Well, they're all similar. Nobody's thinking out of the box on what the next, next gig is. Okay. And I have a bait that I'm, that I don't put out yet i'm not ready to put out yet that has a completely different action and it's a rubber bait that looks just like a regular uh rubber tile like a thumper tail or or like gilbert's bait or something Mm -hmm. but the difference is is when you jerk it and you do stuff to it it does different things and it's more of an escape kind of a reaction bite you know It, it 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 just takes off on you wow and that is something that that you it was trial and error over the years. How long have you been working but on that bait for? I've had that bait a long time, probably really? almost 15, maybe 20 years. Wow. But it, it, <laughs> it, it mutated into certain things yeah. until I finally changed the tail on it. Um, and then it started doing crazy stuff. And, you know, I have it in some of the videos and stuff like that. But it 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 really gets them right now. It's, it's crazy. Um, so when you first found out about the 250... Fumio had a little part in that, right? Uh huh. Yes, Let's talk did. about that, Fumio. Well, so uh, we had a mutual friend. His name was Yasu, and he was um, a depth member. So at that time, you could only get the slide swimmer as a member. How did that and, work? Uh, uh, like how to get the membership? Like a, a, yeah, membership. Yeah, okay. I didn't look into it too much at that time because. You you had to be in Japan to get membership. So it wasn't like, you know, I could get membership. And so Yasu was a person who fished at the lagoon also. And um, he had it one day. And, and we met up with them at the end of the day, you know, just 
we were done fishing. Dock, yeah. yeah, at the dock, we're just chatting. He had it tied on his rod, and we saw it. And well, well, that looks pretty cool. How does it swim? And so he just, you know, gave us the rod and said, "Well, make a cast." And we made a cast, and it, and it swam. And we were looking but at each other. That was the one seventy five, though. Yeah, initially it was the one seventy five. That's right. I yeah, said, initially it was the one seventy five. Do they make it bigger? Yeah. And he goes, "Next year." <laughs> yeah. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, and that, the 175 was a members-only kind of thing, too, okay. you know. And so um, so that's how we learned about it, and he was the one that basically got it for us, you know, so we you know, got one each. Were you guys, know? like, the first in yeah, America well, when, to get it? when he ordered yeah. the 250s, we asked him what color they were. And remember, oh, I got like mm-hmm. 10 of them yeah. in the cart pattern. Yeah. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. And he, they were, back then they were 70 bucks a piece. Yeah. And then we got them. Yeah. And then we went fishing. And then we had to figure <laughs> out what kind of hooks to use yeah. and all of that. And it just it just went from there. What um when you guys t- first took it out and went fishing with it was it like oh my god this is a whole nother bait because what glides were you using before then there was no glides there was, yeah we weren't using it and, and there was wasn't a BBZ no, or a, no or, such word no no so there wasn't a that Rago didn't have a glide yet he called no. it a gli- tool glide there was a gladiator okay. that came quite a bit after oh did? I believe yeah. It, so this was like the first you guys got to get your hands on the first glide yeah. bait mm-hmm. I mean, try it. I mean the you know in Japan Gang Craft had the yeah. jointed claw, you know. So so they had that, right? But it wasn't like really available here and I wasn't really using. We weren't using that. The so, Gang Craft stuff. So, okay. Yeah, so that was like our first glide bait, you know, the the depths, yeah, the 175 and the 250. And mainly we were using you know, the HUD and rubber baits. So this was like time. a game changer for you because you guys had to learn how to fish a glide bait. It, it wasn't yeah, just like, it, hey, it, I'm picking it up. The thing was is that when when we, we ordered in them October and then got them in like March, was that when it was? <sighs> yeah, it took a little while. It took six months to get them yeah. through the order. Mm-hmm. But by the time we got them, it was in the summertime mode. And what it ended up doing is it took those blank times that you struggle – throughout the summer a little bit on a on a hut or something like that Mm -hmm. you know where you had to try to force feed them because i logged hours and hours without catching fish on a depth or on a hud you know trying to you know 180 hours here you know 200 hours here well were you keeping track of that yeah really yeah i'd go a whole month man nothing and then finally you get a bite you know and oh i got one in October, woohoo, you know. Well, then the 250 came along, and it was like the goose that laid the golden egg. Really? Because you could run it along the edge of the weeds and stuff, and they just they just wouldn't leave. It was amazing the draw power that it had. We knew that it would work at any lake, you know, and we just sort of kept it, that's kept another, it quiet for <laughs> that's quite a while. The question is, like, how long did you guys keep it quiet? And what did you do when guys walked up and said, what are you fishing, man? Would you just go like, nothing? They never got to see it because it was never tied on, but I had lent it to a couple of friends to fish tournaments, one won nine tournaments back-to-back on it. Wow. And he didn't let anybody see it. But, you know, for me, I, I think I had it about, what, two years before we before I talked to Depths about it? Yeah, you at know? least two years. Because it trickled mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Certain people knew what I was doing here and there, 
and then it was getting trickled out through the industry. Mm -hmm. And then even some of those guys to this day think that, well, they had it first and everything like that. But, and they could be that way if they want. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I saw that it was running in a different direction, I, like I told you, I had already introduced myself to Matt at, at the ISE show and I yeah. wanted to meet the depths people to show them my videos. And then. Is that, I, so that was 2010, nine? Probably nine or eight or nine. Is that when you met Matt Pano as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I thought he was just a kid and I didn't want to give him the videos. <laughs> what a so jerk, I, Matt Pano. Matt Pano yeah, so I, I, blew, I blew him off. <laughs> and then Jeremy Anderson from Black Dog, he said, well, let, he goes, he goes, man, he goes, you got all this stuff. He goes, let me introduce you to somebody. Who was he going to introduce me to? Matt Pano. <laughs> and then, you, you know, know how funny this is, is I have, I did Jeremy. I went up north and did it. So it's cool to hear you talk about Jeremy because he talks about meeting you, you know, like at uh, Angler's Marine or something. I don't uh -huh. know what it was, but it's cool to have this all coincide. Like they're yeah. going to listen to uh -huh. Jeremy and they're going to hear you again yeah. and go, well, oh, he, he had know? the 250 up there. He was stroking them. Yeah. But I knew the cat was going to get out of the bag and I knew that I sort of could have had a little bit of a legacy with the with the Huddleston, but I wasn't interested in that. But you know, it, it sort of like got a little hijacked after a while. And then I thought to myself, you know what? Being as now I have a camera in the boat, mm -hmm. a video camera, I have all this footage. Well, why not show you what I got? And, that, and that's when I got on the, the Swimbait Nation yeah. site after meeting Matt and they made me the deal. And then they asked about their color, and I told them it sucked. You know, their <laughs> trout color, and we had well, agree, we had did you agree one hundred percent? We had custom painted it, ones. There's a lot of colors that they use in Japan. It's popular that maybe wouldn't be so much here. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the they think out of the box. They, they're not afraid to yeah. try anything over there. You know, that's yeah. where a lot of stuff. Do you originates. feel like we're a step behind? Now I do. You do. Yeah. I think it. I think we had the way we were on top of the wave in the swimbait world. And then now I think Japan has passed us, and I think they've also passed us in just presentation, other than they're thinking out of the box. But, you know, you get a custom-painted lure from one of our companies in America, and it comes in this cheap plastic thing, and it's got a stapled label to it, and you just paid $150, $200 for that bait. Well, when you buy something from Japan, like a Roman it, made, that it box. Could, yeah, yeah, it could be, that's... but it could be a piece of junk. It's yeah. like their candy. Packaging is everything. You got a bubble pack to store that hundred and fifty dollar bait in, or that two hundred dollar bait in. You don't have a piece of plastic, and all, almost all of our bait makers are like that. The only guy that really did things back then that I consider right. Because they use boxes in Japan and yeah. things like that. Jeremy Anderson. Yeah. The punker came in that really nice box. And when you opened it up, it was like a piece of jewelry. It was beautiful. Yeah. You know? And for if you're if you if you make these baits and and say you're gonna sell two hundred of them for hundred and fifty bucks a piece, that's thirty thousand dollars. Okay, well why not spend a dollar extra for good packaging and spend three hundred dollars out of that money? So you have the person has something that looks beautiful instead of hanging up on a pegboard. Will you fish any of the new baits? Not really. No. Fumio? They're all the same thing. Do you try anything new, like some of the new bait builders? Um, I try not to, like, just get new something, you know, just because it's new. Like that you look, oh, yeah. man, it's... 
But I did recently get a couple of the uh, the DRT baits just because <laughs> they seem pretty big and they seem pretty cool and you can do different stuff with it. Have you but tried I the DRT baits too, Butch? That, you know what? They sent me those. <laughs> I gave them away at the lake. Fumio's <laughs> 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 like, Some hey, lucky guy. Hey, I would have yeah. took those, you jerk. You could have given it to Fumio for his they, birthday. They put the tail on wrong. What <laughs> the hell am I going to fish that for? You know, but you got to look at the size of the fish that you're catching. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I look at, I want to catch big fish. You know, I see it catches a lot of fish. But, uh, you know, I mean, how, what, you know, you got to look at the percentage yeah. of, of the double digits. You know, there are 10 pounders caught on it and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, um, that's just sort of how I look at the big picture when I look at things. And I am in a high percentage fishing, you know. So I go with what I know works and everybody goes oh well gosh they've seen the 250 everywhere and they just don't eat it anymore and this and this and this and this well the hud's been out for i don't know how long they still eat that the baitsmith has been out they still eat that and i don't see anybody throwing a 250 very often very very few at least around me in fact, oh, they throw them, Butch. People, those things fucking sell out like hockey. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> around around me, they're not. You know, so uh, I don't I don't see them doing it. So you know, and I think everything adds up to the bite. Whether it's it's your reel, your rod, your line. You know how you present how you how you present the bait, where you present it. I think all that adds up into the bite. But I feel like, are you more of like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know what I'm saying? So you're old school. Mm-hmm. Would you say you're old school? Yeah. Okay. So why try something off if, you, if you're already having success doing something? It, it's like fishing line. Why do I want, just because you're going to give me 3,000 yards a year fluorocarbon, would I switch? What fishing line do you love using? I love Seaguar Brazex. Okay. What 20 about pound test. Same, same. I use the same. Seaguar I've been using it. Does, it just doesn't break. It yeah. lasts. It's good. And and if I change, it might cost me a few baits. It and I have changed, and it did cost me a 15-pound bass next to the boat. And I gave the whole spool to my, my other guy who fished tournaments. I said, take this stuff, you know. So, But, but that's the going have, back to if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know yeah. you're... Every bait has its, its place, you know, from the punker as far as that kind of action is my favorite. I still use the wooden chubby cheek from the very beginning because it's a wake bait. It's a big mm-hmm. profile and it's wood. It doesn't make that, that plasticky sound and stuff. And then break that down into like the glide bait, which would be the 250 because it's the most graceful one that there is out there, if you ask me. Are you still throwing the 175 a lot or not? Uh, I don't throw that very often. Too small. Yeah, it's not my thing. Okay. You know, I like to throw the big stuff. You got the HUD is is that place, your thumper tail. You got Gilbert's bait, mm-hmm. which is a weedless bait. You know, those are and all... And you fish Gilbert's bait? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's... A, okay, so when I say something new, that's a new bait. It I mean, is, it hasn't been out as... It, it's newer compared I, to... But I have a place to fish it. Yes. I don't believe that you need to fish a bait that has a hook buried in it like that in open water. I like it through structure and weeds Mm -hmm. because when they eat it through there, they ambush it and they chomp on it good. When they're out in open water, I don't think that they are quite as aggressive on it. So you miss a lot, you know, that way versus if you're dragging it, you know, slow rolling it on the bottom and you're going past structures and stuff. That's where bait needs to, where where its place should be. And then a lot of guys... 
you know, it's like I was thinking on the way up, you know, there are still guys that are making trout baits and stuff. You and, think there's no need? Well, I mean, it's like you have all this talent out here. You have Batesmith, you have Huddleston, you have these, what, those are what I consider swim baits, rubber baits. Swim baits are not glide baits. Swim baits are not wake baits. Swim baits are not build baits. Swim baits are rubber baits. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, the, you know, the double A and, yeah, exactly. and, and the, 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 the old stuff school stuff. Just like, yeah. yeah, those are true swim baits. That's mm-hmm. where the word came from. But all this talent that they have, you know, to make those trout baits look like they do, but not one of them can anatomically make a correct looking carp or a tilapia that might work maybe in texas and arizona you know but do you think that's because we're in california and that's what people are going off of but our california bait makers don't really sell their baits in california all their stuff seems to be going to the other states because they really you know from what i'm seeing out here they don't quite eat them so great you know but back in the south and Back up through there, they 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 use them a lot. But they work be good at of night. Pressure as well. I mean, think yeah. how pressured yeah. we are compared to back east. And at night, right. you know, they eat a lot. They they'll eat they'll eat the baits, but you can't really base everything on that. You know, it's you know it's 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 almost like a guy that poaches in a place and catches fish where you and me can't fish legally. It's sort of a false reading on your talent level. Do you, you uh, cons- would you if you caught. A PB at a private lake, would you comp- consider that a uh, personal best? If it was a private well, lake? If it was a, if, if it was a PB. Not, and not, it's not like you're, uh, it's private. So say you had to live there, pay yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. and you caught, say you caught your 20, 22. Yeah. Would you consider that I caught my 22? Yeah. But I don't think it would count in the record book because it's not open to the public. Yes. You know, so there's a little So fine now what, line where is your, your you stand on that? It's like do you want the public record or do you want your own personal best PB? And I'd I'd love to hold a fish like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I but mean, I mean, well that's what you're chasing. I, w- I so would I like... would I would call it my PB. Uh-huh. You know, it's you know, I mean uh there's been fish that have been caught over some buoy lines that are considered lake records, even though they were in the wrong zone when they were caught. Yeah. You know, but to them and to, to personally, it's, it is a, a PB. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, there's just, it's just so messed there's up. There's no hard line of anything. That's the, with the people, no. it's like nowadays it's kind of a, with social media, I hate saying this all the time, but it's, it's, Everything's everywhere. That, you that's know? why yeah. if you look at all my videos, they're all daytime, open hours, you know, period. That's it, you know, and there's no discrepancy over any of it, you know. And like me and Fumi, you know, uh, like winter time is 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock is my favorite time. Yeah. And uh, Which is know. a big difference to me. I've always been taught, I'm sure, Fumi. You, do you go out early when you go fishing, Fumi? You Because know, you don't get to fish as much as yeah. birch, so... I, you know, cause I don't, maybe I fish like once a week and, and on average I fish like 30, 35 times a year at the lake. And then, you know, and then I do my saltwater fishing. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go, I try to go from opening to closing, you know, okay. I, I, because it's also a long drive for me. And if I'm going to be in that traffic, and I got the day to fish from my wife. You know, I'm like, okay, no matter how bad the fishing is, I'm, I'm just calling. out there all day. I'm just, you and your dog, right? 
Yeah, me and my dog, you know, and <laughs> if it has to be bottom the ninth inning and I catch a fish 30 minutes before the lake closes, I mean, that's fine. You know, I just want to fish, you know, for, so for me, it's like that. I, I, okay. I don't really get to fish like one hour there, two hours yeah. there because I'm not too close. I, yeah. I think you should it's go different. and yeah. I go in the morning also. It's just that those bites in the wintertime. Uh, during the colder months, seem to be in the afternoon. You but know? are you only focusing on swim baits, or will you throw like a drop shot, a jig, something else? Right yeah. now, I'm like fishing swim baits 90, 95% of the time, okay. I would say. And I did it because it's a different mentality yeah, as well. Yeah. I fish, you know, spinner baits sometimes. I fish top water sometimes because I like it, but um it's just hard to switch and we were talking about this the other day too a a little while ago actually but um you know when butch says something like you know during the seminars for for the people listening you know if you've seen butch do a fred hall you know seminar he might say something like you know i never tied on a drop shot or i don't fish senkos and you know when we and, and i might say something similar and and when we say that, it's not because we're we're dissing on those techniques. You know, we're not saying oh, drop shotting that sucks or whatever. But it's because like w- when you're really focused on wanting to catch that, you know, double digit or teener bass, yeah. and, and you believe that fishing a swim bait is the best way to do it. And obviously, it's not the only way, but it's one of the best ways to do it. It's like you, you really don't have time in the day to do like anything else, you know. Like we approach, we go to the lake and we kind of have a mental list of what we want to accomplish that day, right? Like we have a plan based on like past experience mm-hmm. or, you know, current conditions or, what, or, or, you know, what you learned from a fellow angler, whatever. So you go to the lake with a sort of like a mental list of what I want to do. And then you get to the lake and then because conditions are different or wind is blowing some way you you know that might get rearranged what you want to accomplish in a day Mm -hmm. but on any given day i would say i don't accomplish like maybe 30 percent of what i wanted to do you know i want to do this this this. And, and so then i just don't feel like i have any time to try any techniques you know mm-hmm. like like we were talking about anchoring earlier you know mm-hmm. we set up anchor we're on a great spot right and we're fishing a swim bait and we get no bites right? let's say then you know i have but friends that tell you me a certain amount of time to do yeah. that so you can't so you, you don't have time to go that. try something yeah. else because yeah. you just spent three hours yeah. on that point waving yeah. back and forth it makes yeah sense. and, and yeah. somebody might you know, say to us, oh, you're set up on a great spot. You didn't get bit on a swim bait, but it's at a great spot. Why not try something else? Why don't you cast a worm? You know, why don't you cast a jig? We could, but we already have our next move sort of mapped out, right? Like, and Butch you know, knows where he wants to go But you would next. know you'd catch a three, four pounder. You know you're going to catch that if you were Yeah, and that. we're not interested in that. I mean, that's not that, what I you're guess. looking for. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's a great follow-up question for you on that. I've asked a ton of swim bait guys. Uh, this question, do you think you need the conventional fish to be able to be a good swim bait fisherman? So, like, there's a lot of kids nowadays that just skip conventional fishing yeah. and go straight into swim bait fishing. couple guys said, yeah, you don't need the conventional yeah. fish. You can uh, swim fish. Some guys go, no. Yeah. You need to learn how to work a jerk bait, a jig, because it's going to play in hand with a uh, huddleston, you know, a, a depths, whatever you got to work it. 
What do you, what do you think? For That's a meal? great question. And, and, you know, one of the reasons why Butch is such a great fisherman is because he did all that before swim baits became readily available. I mean, he's got double digits and spinner baits and crank baits and worms mm-hmm. and everything. Right. So he knows how to fish bottom line. Right. Mm-hmm. So well, whatever technique it is, and you'll see that when he's fishing saltwater too. I mean, so I think it's important, you know, that's my personal opinion is that like you do learn a lot from like fishing a Texas rigged worm mm-hmm. or a jig or a crankbait. And, and as long as you're learning from each technique you're using and you know how to apply that to a different technique, then it, it's really beneficial. And, and I would recommend somebody to do that you know if some some somebody young was getting into swim baits and and whether they're catching fish or not Mm -hmm. you know um if they want to be better at it then they should try some of these other techniques and see how things you know how things feel differently when you're fishing a crankbait or you know uh moving a jig over rocks and you know how that feels differently in your hands and you'll learn about your gear you know and your equipment much better i like think line it, sizes could yeah. help i mean you, you <clears throat> you're gonna jump straight to 20 or 30 whatever you're doing on swim bait you're never gonna touch 15 yeah have you ever gotten that small when you're throwing a swim bait 15 like if it's really hard you go like i i gotta do it i gotta do it this one time i, I have. have yeah so it's like you know you tried it and you knew how much you could go with that because yeah. you fished it before for spinnerbait crankbait maybe who knows you know what i'm saying yeah. so that that makes sense yeah um do you feel the same way butch you yeah you have, some you have to be well-rounded in order to be super successful i think because you take a spinnerbait for instance mm-hmm. it's it's sort of basically work it the same way in all its different styles versus casting it and buzzing it mm-hmm. which is with burn bait for a swim bait, casting it and out, reeling in the middle and pausing, reeling, same as a swim bait, letting it sink to the bottom, slow rolling it on the bottom, same as a HUD. It 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 just keeps you in tune. You get more bites. You learn more about it. And I just think it's a, a beneficial to be more well-rounded. And you learn what the bite feels like. You know, fishing at night once in a while with a plastic worm gets you in tune to feel more than sight so when you're working a swim bait you don't have to really be looking at anything because you feel it you know and boom you're on yeah and i like to fish my swim baits with a little bit of a a dip in my line instead of a tight line and i feel that that snap right away and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fast you think that helps with the bite so you know that oh any little tick any strange tightens up the thing line i feel i'm yeah. swinging Okay. You know, the bites I've had lately, I was telling Fumio, you know, I'm snapping it out of the weeds and I'll feel like this, like something brushed it that's not mushy. And I'm like, God, I think I got a bite. <laughs> and then I jerk it again and then it starts to sink and all of a sudden, wham, it's there, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and uh, it's... It that's due works. to knowing some of the, the uh, fundamentals of fishing. Yeah, you should. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, and you, and you know... The moon is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to still go fishing. Yeah. Regardless. Just but have keep you track caught, of it. But you've caught fish when the moon's 
not been in the proper position for you, right? Yes. Okay. So, yes. I mean. But the percentage is more like at 90% when the moon is in where I'm thinking yeah. it's supposed to be versus where it's okay. not. Everything ha- everything happens regardless of the, you might have, you know, you can catch a 12-pound bass on a MEP spinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? It happens. Yeah. You know, the, the chances are that it's not. But so, you feel it like it's a little, more, a little more luck when you're, you don't have that moon. Yes. Right time, right place. Yes. I okay. touched bases with a friend of mine yesterday that was fishing the lake, and we knew the moon was going to be down at about 1230 or so. Mm-hmm. I got a text, 10-1, right after the moon <laughs> went down. And that's the same thing that's been with me yeah, all week, and we keep knew. track of that, you know. And, is, that and the biggest for swim bait. Thing, is that the biggest thing you look and do for swim bait fishing is the moon? When I get excited and I and it's in my in my favor, yeah. But see, I just put it together, you know, like oh, this just this flurry just happened, and all of a sudden there it is, and now everything sort of sucks, or it just went down, and I just had this flurry, and it's it's not based on general style fishing; it's based on years of throwing the big swim bait, yeah, and dealing with the bigger fish, mm-hmm. you know. So I can't. You know, it, it used to be where I would just, you know, throw a spinnerbait or do something else in that dead time that I considered a non-big fish type bite. Yeah, yes. Or if my wife had something to do at home, I made sure that I did it in that time zone so that I could be at the lake in the right time zone. Yeah, right. And then some of us <laughs> don't have that. You know, we have to go fishing when we go fishing, and and you just got to stay with it. But yeah. sometimes it's hard to sit out on the lake all day to wait for that moon to go down at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when you've been up since 3.30 in the right? morning. And- but that makes sense, though. Like, I I just changed my, like, I went fishing with a, with a guy. His name was Jared. Uh, I took him uh, leadhead and squid fishing yesterday. And we caught some good ones. They never, they're from Texas, so they never caught um, a calico or sand bass. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, you got to feel it, man. This is way different. Yeah, yeah. So... They're like, we don't wake up till 10, 9 to go fishing, you know? I'm like, and I'm up at 4.35 all the time to go. You know, I'm up, gone, you know? Yeah. And I always feel like I know it might not matter. Tides is a big diff- difference mm-hmm. in the ocean. It doesn't matter, but I feel like I always get bit in the morning. I just, confidence. It, yeah. It's my confidence time is the morning. I know yeah. when the sun's coming up, I know I'm going to catch a big calico. I know, you you're, know, like. You're right, too. <laughs> you're right on that. So, yeah. I mean, and let's go now move to conservation because I feel, uh, Let's talk about your background a little bit on research. You did some stuff with calico, sand bass, uh, oh, spotties. Yeah, this was when I was an undergrad mm-hmm. um, in San Diego. I used to do a little research at Scripps Institute of Oceanography. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, mainly on those uh, species, the calico bass, sand bass. The How long spotted. did you do that for? About three years. Long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I did it pretty much throughout my undergrad education there, you know. Um, yeah, I was really into it and I, I was lucky to have professors, you know, who, who involved me in their research. So, um, uh, yeah, so I I spent quite a bit of time doing that, but, but I switched to different area of research after I graduated. So I haven't done that in a while. I don't know if I can answer them though. They were very specific. We were looking at like but were you, specific. Okay, you talk, uh, tell us what you researched. For oh, we were what mainly you... looking at like specific enzyme activity okay. and, uh, and relation to temperature and then a little bit about like muscle growth and, you know, muscle a, cell recruitment growth. and such. But I didn't really study 
like growth rate or anything,、mm-hmm. but more like muscle recruitment. Okay. But mainly, it was about studying the activities of various、um, enzymes and and how it changes with temperature. Okay. So yeah. Did you see any? Did you have anyone that you talked to that saw patterns of like where the fish moved? No, I didn't really do like tagging kind of studies,、okay. you know. So we didn't really do and that. And Butch went on some of those trips with you. No, Butch has done more of those tagging things. Did you? Like, like that's more recent, right? You guys、uh, both have gone on them. Yeah, I haven't, but Butch has, and and we have another buddy, Whitney, who does it too. And he does. That's like Wh- on、I、the Aloha Whitney,、yeah. Spirit, and yeah, Whitney's a great guy. And、yeah. some boats up in Santa Barbara, and, and that's really more of a.、Uh, You know, like population study kind、it's, of stuff. Yeah, it's cool how they set up the grid, though, because that's all you get the fish.、Mm-hmm. And you know, like I was telling you, these guys here, these four, get the fish a six-inch swim bait, and they have to fish it all day,、mm-hmm. and they cannot change. Those guys get the fish squid in a leadhead all day.、Mm-hmm. They can't change. That guy f- fishes the fly and tip bait. Yeah, and then you, the boat captain has. What four grids, and then he puts the boat and keeps the boat in one spot, and you fish that for what about fifteen minutes? Okay. And then they put the fish that you catch in a thing, and we're fishing sanctuaries. Yeah. You know. You yeah. That's amazing. You can't keep them; they let them all go. <laughs> But and, it's fun to get bit all、oh, day, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you go to the next grid,、oh. and the next grid, and the next grid, and then you travel a little bit to another grid. And then at the end of the day, you know, you they do their calculations and everything、uh-huh. they do, and they get excited if you catch a shark by accident or an octopus or <laughs> things like that. But it's、uh, it's pretty neat, yeah. You know, to go,、um, and that leads us into the freshwater part of it, which I think both of you guys have a lot of experience. So,、um, I've always wondered. I've heard different stories from different people about boat flipping. So. For the picture, you get a lot of guys that'll flip the bass on the boat. I've heard from one person、uh, that did a research with the. I think I forgot her name. She she did some research at Catalina, and she's saying for calicos at least. I don't know if it's for a largemouth that if you flip a, a calico onto the the deck, it's like getting a baby and dropping it, and then whatever happens after that is what happens to the baby. Is、yeah. that true? Um. Well, we're both not into flipping. You know,、mm-hmm. too much but do you think、boat. that the effect on flipping does I, that? Yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah. I've I've felt them on my. You know, you're standing there at the rail and you feel that calico hit the deck.、Oh. You know, and then the guy goes, "I just want to let it go." You know, and it's <laughs> like, dude, I go,、yeah. I just felt that in my heart when it hit the deck. I go, you know, and the decks have that、uh, that walnut、yeah. grit on it, and it can't can't be good for them. And the same same with the bass. You know, I think that you need to. Respect those big fish, and you know, and a lot of guys, I see the problem in watching their videos is they buy the biggest, baddest net they can buy, and then they're by themselves, and you can't hold the end of it because it's so big that you can't hold it and then get the fish in a swoop.、Mm-hmm. And if you just watch the videos, like mine, I use a shorter net; it's light. I don't use the rubberized. Uh, mesh. I use the small mesh, not the plastic nylon ones,、mm-hmm. and it's fast in the water and it's soft when it gets wet. And then I keep those fish down from jumping until they get right next to the boat, 
and then I just pull them right on into that net, and they usually jump right at the boat. And you can see it in every video, but I just don't think that they've had enough practice, and maybe that's why they have to flip it in the boat or something. But the only time that we would flip is, like Fumi was saying, if you have no choice and it eats it right there, you know, you have no choice. You know, you got three feet of line out. He's going ballistic. What do you do? You know? Yeah. But don't flip it, you know, all the way up here into the camera <laughs> yeah, and then watch and it go drop down. Drop it hard. You can, yeah. just, you can just flip it right over the side of the boat. I think that's nice more, of a, more of a uh, to look cool thing, I guess, maybe. Like I that. think it is. I yeah. think you know, so. Um, yeah. You know, it, it just, you have to look at it in the big, But it's hurting, the, is it hurting the fish is a question. It, I think it could. I think so. On yeah. dry, yeah. hot carpet or hit a yeah. screw or a tackle box flopping around doing its thing. I wonder if it does, though, like, you know, like they say, dropping the fish. Like, you're dropping. <laughs> you're throwing. That's like me grabbing. Ten you, pounds. Throwing you yeah. up in the air. Eight yeah. feet. Well, when like, I was doing that research, um, you know, we used to go collecting our fish. And, and there's a pier at Scripps. And I had a professor who would take me fishing there. And, and and we'd catch sand bass, calico bass, and there's a holding tank at the end of the pier. And a lot of what we caught, like we would often put it in the holding tank. And it was either for research or some of it went to the aquarium, the, the Stephen mm-hmm. Birch Aquarium. Yeah. And then, and then from the holding tank, we might have to transport it to another tank. And oftentimes, uh, fish might be dropped going to that first holding tank or from the holding tank to the other tank. And we'll mm-hmm. drop it. And we would put it, you know, back in the tank, and then it seemed fine initially, but we would come back next day to find it dead, you know. Really? And so that, you know, I, I saw enough of that. and to so know that's, that something's going yeah, on. Yeah, so that's why, because I saw that personally, that's why I'm not into flipping boats, and I try not to do it. And like Butch is saying, you know, like, we've done it sort of out of necessity. Like, last summer I did it, like, twice, Um I had hooked a few fish doing that figure eight thing at Paris, and and you you lose a lot of fish doing that. You know, I had lost like three fish, oh, like, really? like you know, like fumbling looking for the net. You know, yeah. they're just not hooked well. They're thrashing around, and so I ended up flipping a few. But when I do it, I try to keep it low, and then I rush to it, and I you know I grab the line to get it off the seat or whatever, yeah. and then I try to unhook it and and you know stick it in a live way if i want to take a picture um do it as fast as possible i'm certainly not doing it you know for the camera so it looks cool and i'm not lifting it high. you're just happy you got a good fish you want yeah to take a picture of it. and i'm not letting it bounce around and i'm not you know <clears throat> and, and i don't even put stuff like that on my instagram or anything because i don't think it looks cool and as a matter of fact afterwards i feel kind of bad about it you know so i don't do it um so yeah that i mean we have a you know that's my reasoning for not liking it some guys think that's part of the fun and it's whatever and so okay you know but we i that's my reasoning for not not thinking it's cool but do you think it it, it would help on the uh, longevity then of the fish even in largemouth like you want to keep those things going you know as long as you can right to get bigger Uh, I mean, yeah. I'd rather see, like, you know, a video of somebody skillfully netting a 10-pounder. That's more, you know, I learned something from that, you mm-hmm. know. Somebody flipping a boat and, you know, uh, <clears throat> it's not like I'm learning anything. Oh, I can use that next time I hook a teener, you know. It's, yeah. it's all right, right? You know, yeah. so it's not. So 
such a learning thing. I mean, the one analogy I have for that, it's not a perfect analogy, but you know, people who fish in Southern California might relate, is that if you're fishing on a sport boat, you know, you go to the bait tank, you grab that sardine or mackerel, and then you drop it. What do you do with that? Throw it overboard. Kick it right? over the scupper. Like, like you don't fish it, right? And, and if nope. you if you put it in back in the bait tank, you'll get yelled at by the dickhead, right? <laughs> and so then you ask yourself, what? Why is that? Because a fish that landed on the deck, even a mackerel that flopped around for ten seconds, you don't expect that fish to swim strong and normally, right? Even for the next three minutes, you're fishing it. You, <laughs> You know, it's like done. And so uh, an eight-pound bass that you lifted super high and it dropped on the deck really hard and it's flopping around for 30 seconds just because you're sticking your tongue out at the camera and doing a shaka or whatever, right? (laughs) Why would you expect that fish to swim and be normal once you let it go, you know? So... um, you know, it, to me, it doesn't add anything to my, you know. But I mean, it's it's so. just a thing that maybe people could do to help keep the fish better. I mean, yeah. you have, you keep them in a live well. Do you do something a little different? Do you do additives or anything like that in, that, in the do, live well? We do Sure Life. Oh, and, you do? And okay. And then I have a recycling pump, 500 gallon. And then I have a freshwater pump that's 750 gallons. And they run full time until the pitcher is done. And then the fish are all treated. You know, right off the get-go. But the thing with catching big fish is, is if you notice, I got a lot of five-fish, big-fish limits. And that's because there's more than one around. The minute you lose one and the minute that you start letting them go, well, a lot of times they go straight down and the pack will just go on out there with them. Mm -hmm. So I get into an area, and, you know, even if they're like three to five pounds, and if I'm on a little flurry out there, they all go in. You know, until I'm done, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'll go out, take them outside. They might be in 15 feet of water, but I take them, always take them out to at least 30 feet of water. I let never let them go in the same spot that I catch them because I never want to know that I'm catching the same fish. Yeah. So I take them out into 30 feet of water and I let them all go out there in the middle of nowhere and I can see them on my sonar go down and then they'll settle, some will settle in at 20, 25 feet. You can see them and then... Everything is good, and then go start fishing again, you know. And then, like, if I'm on a really hot bite in the morning where I know things are going, Fumi's the one that took the depth picture that has all those fish on it. He mm-hmm. was there. That's his boat next to mine. Well, those fish were all caught in in about an hour or so, and we had seven yeah. of them. We had to, we, there was nothing under probably 12 pounds on that stringer. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, but you, in the summertime, you gotta if you're gonna do it, you gotta get them all in there, and you, that's what you got is you got about an hour, and then you can take get a quick picture of them, and then you gotta get them out of there. You okay. Know? Um, what about holding lipping a fish? Is there a certain way to hold them that you guys think is better to not break their jaw, maybe something like that? Because it's, I mean, you see a lot of guys long arm, or I mean, whatever it might be. But is there a way to hold them to make sure maybe their jaw doesn't break? I've never seen one with a broken jaw. No. Because I've heard that. This is all stuff I've heard people say, you know, read. read So I might want to see what you guys think. I've been criticized for that. I get (laughs) criticized for no matter what I do, whether (laughs) whether I put them on a clip, whether I put them on a bogey grip, whether I hold them like this, whether I hold it doesn't matter with me. You think their jaws are strong enough where I think it is not really going to make a big difference? 
I may maybe you know if you can you know support the body, but yeah, I think jerking uh, around think, is not yeah, cool. But I think, I think you need to to sort of hold the body, them yeah. kind of twist nicely, the man yeah. a little to keep the yeah, yeah. That's the proper I think etiquette. Like yeah. if you're gonna hold it by the jaw, you know, doing things like lifting it high or you know, in a jerky movement is probably not good. And but there's a difference by the it, jaw. You can grab them by the jaw and keep the mouth straight up and down and fairly closed yeah. and hold them mm-hmm. or you can go like this and then lay that thing open like and that's what like a bucket yeah and i don't think that's that's so great but, yeah yeah that's a, that's a hard one too i mean for the, the picture i mean i get it but it's these are all things that i i thought of i'm like wow man like you know what does that do to the fish i mean i've yeah. never seen one with a broken jaw yeah. at yeah. all and in, in all the fish i've ever caught yeah you know just doesn't it, even crappie you know it just doesn't doesn't seem like it does anything yeah you know yeah. you know your limits if you got a <laughs> 19 pound bass hanging out of your hand you you're, not, you're not going to go like that that's yeah. that's not Rip right that you know you gotta you gotta Support hold it, it. Yeah. yeah um let me look up we have a we had a call, a call in question let me uh let's see i don't know how hard this is gonna be i gotta connect you guys got a pee or anything Nope. I'm good. You're good? Okay. Yeah. Water or anything? I'll take another beer. Uh-oh. Here he comes. Okay. Let me get you one. I'll open it up. I'll eat one of these. <laughs> take a beer you're going slow, dude. <laughs> you take one too, huh? Which is going to do one? I'll take one too. You already drank yours? I drank two oh, of them. good man. I drink a lot of beer, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, quick little commercial. This one's from Phoenix Rods. You heard last week Phoenix jumped on board as our official rod sponsor. Super stoked. So I thought I'd reach out to someone that fishes a Phoenix Rod, Kevin Matson, and ask him what he recommended for swim bait fishing, glide baits. He recommended the M182H. Um, If you go back and listen to episode 49 with him on it, he'll tell you what kind of fish he's uh, reeling in on these things. And if swim baits aren't your thing, no worries. They build more than 700 different models. Check them out at phoenixrods.com and follow them on the gram at phoenixrods. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Um, this is one that is from Quinstagram444. How has catch and release culture been the death of trophy bass fishing? I don't understand that. I don't well, understand Do you it. think it's been the, the depth? You know, like the death of it? How, how mean, would you trophy? have more fish to catch if they weren't released? I think they're trolling yeah. us maybe. Well, my, my <laughs> take on that, I th- so he's a, like a fisheries biologist, right? Is that is, it's a is not, it? No. I think this guy was from Arizona. I don't know. Is he from, oh, is if it? it's from San Diego, it's no. Quinn. Quinn, yeah. The uh, fish and game guy. Is it? 
Well, I, if it, but I can't tell. I looked. <laughs> Quint, at the it picture. says Quinstagram four four four. It doesn't say, but I, I'm not exactly sure. But may, maybe the question is saying like, you know how if you have catch and release and you're not like harvesting anything, the population gets too big. And maybe the size of the fish oh, may get stunted. You're thinking that and the so size that, of it is getting as big. Yeah, so okay. then you're not like taking enough of the small fish out of the lake, and that there's not enough food to support like really big fish. You know, so I don't know. I'm not exactly sure if that's what was meant by the original question, but I mean, no, the, the, that's it could potentially though, right? be taken that way. And so, has that killed trophy? bass fishing well well well, one i I don't think trophy bass fishing is dead right because if it is i've been wasting my time (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i can see it like in some ways yeah not having any harvest like in, in in many fish and animals you know i think some harvest has been shown to be beneficial to the population right in some Mm. instances and so you know, when people are not taking any, it could have that effect. But on the other hand, I think it's had beneficial effects too, because if you assume that, you know, the way bass fishing started, I I assume like any other kind of fishing, people probably threw back the little ones and kept the big ones, right? Mm -hmm. And then bass fishing at some point became mostly catch and release, and that was probably due to the tournament fishing right that that format and then tournament fishing isn't really ca- about catching like the biggest bass by catching numbers and and big bags right not, yeah. not individual trophies so so then it started out catch and release probably started that way you know basically releasing the small or medium-sized fish and then it eventually extended to include trophy fish and so in that way, it, it has probably helped trophy bass fishing, right? Yeah. Because have, now, you, have you ever read that book, so, is it So Belly? Sow Belly? Sow Belly? Yeah, I've read, yeah, I've read that book. <laughs> I don't it's read been anything. a while. It's been a while. But they have I've a picture, anything. right, of an old picture of big bass, right? When yeah. When talk about it, a, the record was from a long time ago. Right. Right? I think. I don't know. Yeah. I, that book, I read it. It was interesting. I mean, it was a different yeah. read, <clears> you know, but. Look yeah. at Japan in their That's fishing, huge. their yeah. tournaments. You have to, you can't, you have, can't release the fish by law, right? Yeah, I think you in, have to kill them. Yeah, I in think Japan, in, really? I'm not sure if it's like all of Japan or certain bodies of water, but you know, bass is a, a invasive species over there. Really? And, and what do they fish freshwater? What's their big species over there? Uh, well, just oh, besides bass so fishing, the, the bass is killing stuff yeah so so there's like native species of trout and other you know a lot of native species in 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 both the lakes and the creeks and the river systems Mm -hmm. and and so they're you know they're eating native species so i think in some areas you're not supposed to be releasing the bass um and you still have the fishery over there do you think is a lot better than here yeah they get a lot of big ones yeah in particular areas, you know, yeah, like yeah. Lake Biwa and yeah. Have you fished Biwa? No, I, I've actually never bass fished in Japan. Really? I would love to one day, but <laughs> I, I fished in Japan, but in all salt water. Yeah, I'll take so, him. I'll take him with me. Yeah, <laughs> have you fished yeah. Biwa? 
No, but they've invited me numerous go, times, man. but I'll have to have my entourage come with me. <laughs> yeah. My translator. Uh, yeah, when when you, when you, you know when, uh, you know where I've seen lakes that have the catch and release and then they have the stunted fish after a while are private lakes. Really? Okay. Like I grew up at Lake Sherwood. Okay. Yeah. But there was Westlake was next to it. And you would see over the years of my lifetime You'd see where the fish, you couldn't get nothing under three pounds, and then all of a sudden you're getting eight pounders, and then they're stunted crappie and, and all of this why kind is of it, stuff. Why do you think it's the private lakes? They're not stocking anything? I think it's because there's more catch and release. Okay. And they have, they have good fisheries because they're not pressured. So, you know, um, maybe it's got to do have with that. Have you seen people pull uh, big bass out of the lagoon and keep them? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, and I can't say anything. You're, no, I mean, it's your legal. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah, I've seen yeah, them carry 10-pounders mm-hmm. out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't say anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, they're, and, and if they catch five bass and want to take them home and eat them, more power to them. Yeah. You know, that's okay with me. They're not going to ruin the fishery out there and, and stuff like that. That's there's, great to hear a from, from you guys. I mean, it's kind of a... A big no-no when people flip out when they see him pull up. They have the right yeah. to do it. They paid for a license, right. and they're you know like if they go guilt catch them gill netting at night and they got fifty of them in there. That's a different story. That's not yeah. cool. But <laughs> these guys are you know they're enjoying the fish. Have you kept one before? I haven't kept one, and when I was younger, we used to keep a couple to come them. home and fry up like two pounders. They're pretty good. No. No, not really. You'd rather eat saltwater fish. They, right? The people I were from, they were a little oaky, so they <laughs> they they fried up the roe oh, and made wow. these little crispy things out of, and it's like eating sand and fishy sand. And I was like, <laughs> grainy. I was like, yeah, it was not good at all. So, and I grew up at Lake Sherwood, uh, you know, a lot, and and there was, you know, a pen there that it had bluegill and crappie and stuff, and and uh, we ate. We ate a lot of fish and bluegill's and, good though. I heard it in crappie. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, a lot of I bone. Heard, yeah. yeah, crappie's really good. Yeah, you know. But I think you should. I think crappie are better bone in. You know, you cook the carcass kind of cooking. Okay. You know, I whole think fish. It, I think it just tastes yeah. better that way. But uh, and striper, I I love yeah. striper. You know that striper good. I caught out of Lagoonies. See, delicious, <laughs> man. Yeah. You keep them all. When you catch them? If I catch a striper. Yeah. Yeah, my wife likes them. I, I like love them. them. They're good, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's a, there's a lot of good striper fish. Yeah. Well. The only bass that uh, I have kept, or like the, there was one probably 10 or 12 years ago that, that rolled on me, you know, and he was released quickly. But he didn't die in vain because he ended up going to a biologist. And oh, then they really? did the study. And Great. I, did I show you? I showed you the paperwork on that once. Oh, yeah. The one that Steve, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. And then he showed me the whole growth rate of the fish. How long did that take? Um, the growth the, rate. like The fish it? was 10 years old and weighed 16, 16.5. Oh, wow. And he said, whatever fish that is, it was 10 pounds in its fifth years of growth. And it showed the growth rates per year. And then he would ask me, what was this year like? What was that summer like? Oh, no way. And, and then he had one from the Delta, and he had one from Berryessa. And the one from the Delta was 9 pounds and was, I think, 11 years old. And it only weighed, was not so slow growth. Mm-hmm. And the one from Berryessa was 11 pounds, and it was like 10 years old also. So he said, whatever gene is in that after bay or whatever gene we have, it's like, you know, a top-notch gene in the lagoon. Yeah, 
Man. And then, then there's the F1. Is that another screen, right? Yeah, I think. I don't know. I don't pay attention you don't know, to all that. Yeah. All I know is they're Florida bass. <laughs> but I shocked with fish and game a fish down in the lagoon one time, the last time we shocked. And it was probably 15 to 16 pounds. It was going to go to the Fred Hall show. And that fish had looked every bit as big as Dottie. And it had the biggest scales and the darkest markings I'd ever seen. And something happened to it. And so it went up there to get studied with Dottie. It was around the same time. Okay. They said that was the oldest bass that they've ever studied. No way. It was 18 years old. That's amazing. It's amazing. That is so, how old will bass yeah. get? I didn't no think one, they lived over 12, 12 yeah. or 13 years. Have you ever caught the same bass twice? Yes. You know. Because I, I used to mark them. With back what? At, back in the day with a circle punch. Really? On the pectoral fin. That's how we. Oh, that's how you do it when you shock with fish and game. Oh, nice. You go up a cove, like at the upper lake. I went with them, and then we'd shock three hundred fish up one side, and we'd circle punch the pectoral fin. We'd come out the other side, and then measure and weigh those fish and do those. Then one month later, we'd go back in the same cove, and we'd shock that side of the cove and shock the other side, and then they would determine the amount of fish that had the hole punch versus the amount of fish that were non-punched and that then they would determine the ratio of the influx of fresh fish in the population so therefore i'm spinning around and i'm circle punching back in the hud days my fish and when i had the 127 over 10 that year there was that's a great how many seven that were re-caught one was caught twice because it had it grows over into a pimple a nub there was two nubs so i had caught that fish twice whether what year i have no idea that's amazing and then when i had the 107 fish over 10 pounds 11 of those were re-caught so that that tells me that there was a lot of fresh fish around you know that's a good to keep track of yes you know and and that's what I did back then. Do you still see those ever when you catch them? I don't do it anymore. No, no. no but do you those see fish that? have all died off. All died off. Okay. Yeah, they're right. they're old now. We we quit doing that when the trout stocking started, and and we had the die off. And now the what I'm seeing at the lakes like Paris, where he's at, where I'm at, and probably eventually in San Diego because they cut so much of their trout stockings yeah. off, is those fish get emaciated because I. I believe, and I'm not a biologist, but he is, I think that when they're born and raised and they're stocking trout in a lake, that they know in the fall when the temperature starts to cool down at a certain temperature that those trout are coming and they know where to position themselves to feed throughout the winter on those stocks. Mm -hmm. Well, once you cut that off, then they go to those same spots and nothing shows up. And then they start to slowly get thinner and thinner and then they get to the point where they can't, they're not getting enough food, and then a handful are getting enough food. And then eventually they go for their own, the babies, the bluegill, and they decimate everything. And then they finally sort of die off. And then the lake starts to come back to life again, like Casitas. Yes. And it all starts to balance itself out. And what I'm seeing right now, and what I started thinking about on the water because that's what you do when you're out there Mm -hmm. is i'm seeing a lot of nine to 11 pound bass right now at my lake and then i'm thinking about well when those fish were probably born those fish were probably born 
after that cycle had already went over and then there was probably a couple of good years of a good spawn because there was not a lot of predators that were going to eat all that fry and then therefore those fish have started to grow up and we have a good amount of of trophy bass again and i think it's because of that one particular time where it went down the peak and then then you had the spawn and then not a lot of predators and then they slowly build up through the ladder and now they're up at the top and we our lake is balanced much more balanced i think and uh you know because you got to look at like you don't necessarily need trout to have trophy fish you might need it to have a world record fish but you look at texas they don't have trout but yet their state record what is like 17 pounds big yeah you know but they get a lot of they get their 13s and 14s and that's that's what we're leading up to too it's the same same thing here you know it's you don't think so you don't think the trout plants you you think you're going to get back to what not back to what it used to be but a trophy fishery i don't I don't know. We've been approved for it, yeah, and we have to build this fencing for it. But, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, we can't get answers. And Fumi would go back and forth with the biologist and then ref- let me know the information that he got. And Do you have a lot of involvement, Fumi, on talking to some of the biologists about some of this stuff and moving Not forward? lately, but before Previously. I did, you know, when the stocking stopped. I try to get information on why and if it was going to resume. And I try to, you know, I wrote letters and, you know, went to some, you know, Department of Fish and Game Commission meetings and and that kind of stuff. But I, I don't want to say I kind of gave up, but I kind of just forgot about it because mm-hmm. it wasn't going anywhere. And you're getting sort of misinformation from a lot of different people and didn't know what was what. So... But up north, they get get stocks, no problem, you know. But I don't get it, you know. It uh, and you just sort of got to go with the flow and adapt as you go along, you know. And that's that's why I'm sort of still standing around as an old schooler. (laughs) I I adapt as I go. Yeah, I think bottom line, without the trout, you know, the fishing trophy fishing has gotten really tough. But not because there aren't ten pounders around. Maybe the chance of like world record size fish is greatly diminished, you know. But there's still tens and teeners, you know, at the lake. But I got to there's got to be pressure now too. I mean, yeah. Think how many guys are fishing now compared. I mean, how popular fishing is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Even just doing this podcast for you know two and a half years, I'm like, wow, stuff has grown so much in two years. Yeah. You know. It sort of takes a special person to be where I'm at, you know. <laughs> they don't like yeah. having a little hot rod boat, and they got their $80,000, dollars boat. And they, Do you still get complaints that same people saying you have a... They get them all the time, yeah. You know. That's the best story. You, you should have seen me. when I'd throw Fumi in the back and go, hit it, man, and he'd be laughing, going, oh, my God. That's pretty funny. I go, we got to get down there now. Yeah. Let me give this guy a call, James, and see if he picks up. Let's see. Let's see how this works, guys. All right. Live. Wow. It's ringing. Action. Let's see if you can hear us. <clears throat> Hi, James. This is Nick from Casting Crank. Hey, what's up, Nick? Hey, you're live with Butch and Fumio. You have a question for him? Yeah, I was uh, 
just uh, about boat flipping fish. Uh, you know, I know it's a lot of people do it, but I remember back in the day when fishing with my dad and he got really annoyed when he dropped one on the deck. And uh, about a week later, caught the same fish. You could tell by the markings and stuff. But on that side that he dropped it, you know, I had a big bacteria growth on it and stuff. And Ick. I was just curious on what they thought about, you know, how that affects the fish, you know, their growth, you know, whatever, how they think all that stuff kind of affects the fishery. You know what I mean? Great. I appreciate you calling in, man. You're the first one ever. So thank you. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's scared to talk yeah. to Butch, man. You can say what's up to him. Yeah, what's up, Butch? How's uh, it going? I'm good, but Fumio's got the answer for that. We just we just went over all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he's yeah. the biologist. We didn't talk about the slime coat, so you can kind of... Yeah, it's probably now. just, you know, when you drop a fish, especially like on a carpeted deck, Yeah, it, it, it removes all that protective slime layer, so then it leaves the skin open for infections, whether it's like bacteria or fungal infections. And I've seen fish like that too. I've caught fish that just looked horrible, had this like grayish, you know, slimy covering on their body and it smelled really, yeah. really bad, you know? And I assume yeah, those were fish that, you know, that may be mishandled, you know, mm-hmm. just laying out on a, a hot deck or, or it was just... um you know, somebody holding it improperly, removing all that slime. And, you know, the, and I'm sure that affects it, you know. It, it might die, you know, within a certain period of time, or for sure it might affect its overall health and therefore its feeding and growth rate and all that kind of stuff. So you're probably yeah, looking at it. Yeah. Too, if that may be affected, you know. That trophy fisher, you know, because it kind of just went away from what it seemed like, you know, like those fish weren't getting that funny. big anymore. We were just talking. We just finished talking yeah. about the trophy fishery right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you'll hear all about it. Um, you're local, huh? So, I, you know, I'm going to give you a shirt for calling in, for being the first uh, calling guy. Oh, right. Yeah, right. so I'm I know cool. you're a five, six, tour, so I can meet up with you somewhere. I'll message you. Yeah, I'm local. Yeah, yeah. that stuff just always stuck with me, you know, with my dad. And I was just... You know, when I see people boat flipping them and stuff, like he got so angry at himself just for doing it. Do you not boat I, flip at all? No, never. never? Uh-uh. Okay. No, you know, especially if you're, you know, not fishing. it. I mean, you're fishing a tournament or something, you're netting the fish. And it just, it doesn't seem, if you're not fishing. Yeah, for fun, you know, it's a different start. Your PB or whatever it might be. Yeah, it just seems, yeah, unnecessary, you know, type thing. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling in, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Actually, thanks. Yeah, 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 for sure. Take care. Yeah, have a good yeah, one. Yeah, thanks. Take thanks. Care. Uh, let's see if we got any more. Uh, man, I advertised it every time. Call yeah. in. Call in. I just think people are. Yeah, people are probably. They don't want to. They don't want to have their. Talking. You know. Yeah, they're probably thinking. Oh, I don't want to seem like a cook <laughs> asking a swimbait <laughs> yes. question publicly. I don't want people to know what I'm you asking. Know? Yeah, I don't want people to know that. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised none have asked about what the bite's going on and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I think they know by now. Not yeah. you could. You still get a lot of people messaging. What's biting? Uh, and you tell them the same thing. The depth's two fifty. Yeah, <laughs> I just put it on film and leave it at that, and I let, that's it. You know, I just put out what I put out. What made you want to be so much more active on Instagram? Because Ben showed me how to do it. <laughs> Good old Ben, huh? Yeah. And then, I, then it, it, all of a sudden, I realized how easy it was. Then I realized that I can put a catch and catch and 
catch on there. Yeah. And I can get 3,700 views in one <laughs> night and I can go on Facebook and get from 50 to 300. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a completely different ball it game is. here. I feel like it's a young man's game, the Instagram, you know? Like, it is. Yeah. It is. But it, it reaches out to more because, you know, I got almost 16,000 followers and I'm not a... I'm, I'm not a, I don't sell anything. I don't do anything like that. I just fish and throw the videos on there. And, and for me, for depths that, you know, because I'm on their pro staff, you know, you sort of have certain requirements, which, you know, I don't like to do the Fred Hall show that much, but. You have been lately though, right? Yeah. Until last year. Well, this year, it's not going to happen yeah. this year, but you know, that, that means that I'm putting back in you know, what I started with cast yeah. and catch and, and, and they treat me really, really good. You know? What camera I mean, are you using now? Well, I got me that GoPro nine. Do you like that? I've heard a lot of issues about it. I, you know, I, it's so small. It's hard for me to use, but I, I like to use the old Sony handhelds like this. Yeah, yeah. Because I can handle it and it's fine. And then I learned with the GoPro, I just keep that in the thing and, and it's got the one with the screen. So you, Do you can talk see to it. it? Well, yeah. That's, no, you could talk to it and say, go. No, I, have, I don't have all that figured out yet. No, <laughs> but I can. It's easier for me to take a photo and get it because it does the bursts. So you can hold the fish and then push the button. And then when it starts to do the you can, then you can just like move a little bit mm -hmm. and then you can get some different shots. And then, you know, they come out really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then um, they look bigger. The closer you put it, I know that because I've been seeing the guys doing it for years. You know, You're one of them now. Huh? I could see that, and then uh, um, I use it for the final editing. Like I'll catch the fish, and I get up in the camera, and I start to talk. You know, cast and crank number one, Fumio and me, and mm -hmm. and sometimes the ink I can't really see because the sun's there, and I can't really tell what it's like. And then what I do is I go. And then I put the, before I let the fish go, I put the GoPro on and then put that on me and then hit record and then do the same thing. And then I compare the two, you know, and, and, and then use the best one. And usually the GoPro always has the, some phenomenal color. Yeah. I mean, the, you know? it's like 4k and stuff. It's like, yeah. A big difference. And I just load it up on uh, iMovie on my Mac. There you go. And it's simple, simple for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a brain dead kind of guy, but, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it, uh, you know, you, you can teach an old dog new tricks, but it's something I had to learn yeah. if I'm going to represent, you know, somebody like Depps or something yeah. like that. You yeah. know, it's, it's, and it's not like I have somebody in the boat that, you know, and you feel sort of geeky because he's filming you or anything. You're by yourself. You know, and if it doesn't come out right, you say it again, mm -hmm. you know, and some things just can't come out right. And you got to stop. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I've been there. Fumio has his, but, you know, his best video is on the bottom of the lake right now. Really? <laughs> he never got yeah. it. Oh, you dropped the oh, GoPro. And it's I dropped the, uh, yeah, my, my, my PB is, is a 14.5 out of Paris. Oh. And I have that on film. <clears throat> I, I use the chest thing so it's yeah. just you know it's not on the back of my boat so you don't yeah. it's just a, it's all the you point of it. view from my you know so i have that on film and then uh i had caught a 11 the same day in the morning so i had those two fish and i was super stoked and i had 
already uh, taken my pictures and and, and um, I had both on film on GoPro. Wow. And so at the end of the day, I um, took the, uh, the the 11 to the spot where I had caught it and, and I wanted to release it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I used a chest harness and it goes on that clip. So I unclipped it and I was holding it with my left hand by, by the clip, right? I'm holding it. And I grabbed the fish and I wanted to do a... a the release video, you know, me releasing it. And, all right. So I thought it's going to look cool. <clears throat> so I'm releasing the fish, and this fish sort of stayed at the surface, and it looked like it was going to jump, you know. So I thought, oh, this is going to look really cool. And it sort of rushed, like, towards the camera, and it did do a nice jump, but <clears throat> it almost ran into my, you know, the, the <laughs> camera, so I pulled back, right? Well, the bottom little clip that goes on my harness hit the uh, the side of the boat, and I ended up dropping the camera. Oh, <clears> man. And so then I reached Did for my scramble? net, right? So I grabbed my net, and I tried to scoop it up, and I couldn't get it. <clears throat> watch it float. You circle. tried to yeah. get a diver so, on it. So, Did you really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I had a colleague who dives, so we went out there. And I had GPS the spot and everything, and he spent a good amount of time until the air on his tank ran out, oh my looking gosh, for the camera. And he huh? could. It was at that time. It was like in twenty six feet of water, and he looked and he looked and he looked and he couldn't find it. And then I contacted the lifeguards at Paris, <clears throat> and uh, initially they were like oh yeah you know we can do that you know they do training it's kind of fun if we do the training and at the same time we're looking for something so you know tell us where it is uh but then they never did they never went you just lost it now you got to catch another 14 yeah exactly which i'm (laughs) what was that on on. that was on a basement okay so so the 11 in the morning and then the the 14 i caught later was same same bait yeah wow Mm-hmm. Um, that was a bummer. I, so it's still there. That camera's still so, there. That's so crappy. <laughs> and now because the lake is so high, it's, it's probably like in like seventy feet of water yeah, and completely tilted over. It. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that happens all the time. I mean, I dropped my. I was at Skinner and I dropped my iPhone at the dock. Oh, so I had to get. I had my depths on there and I'm fishing it, getting it up, and I'm, I got it. Oh, you the got hook, it. Yeah, the hook oh, went okay. onto the phone. I could see yeah. it down there, like seven feet down. And I got it out. I'm like, oh, thank God. You got what? It, it was a gone. No, it was it, it was fine because it's the newer one. It was waterproof and it had the plastic nice. case. So since it had the plastic case, oh, it okay. hooked on to the plastic wow, case. That's pretty lucky. Wow, that's a big deal. Wow. That's a yeah. If you want to film catching big bass, just either run out of battery. Run out of chip space <laughs> or forget to turn it on, and it will happen. Yeah, yeah. right. How I many get, times has it happened to you? Oh, it's happened a lot. <laughs> it's a, I look back and I go, not even on. You oh, have the God. big, your biggest fish is on film, though, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how big is that? 19.3. <sighs> That's crazy. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever That's beat that? One. No. No? You're happy with that? I'm happy. I was happy with 17s and 18s. Really? Yeah. 16s, yeah. 14s. I'm happy What's with all of it. What's the lake record? That one. 19.3. What's the lake record for Striper? The one I caught two weeks ago (laughs) at the After Bay. (laughs) Not up top. 
You know, they've, uh, they've got some big ones up yeah. top. Rob but has one, right? Yeah, but they're not supposed to be in the after bay. Really? Yeah. Not at all. How big was that? 20, a little over 20, 20 oh and a quarter. gosh, dude. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what a big. fluke. Yeah. Right where yeah. we bass fish. Hey, were you thinking it was the one? No, because it had that lope, like a white sea bass. Okay. You know, you could, or a, a yellowtail. It yeah. had that lope, and I'm thinking, God dang it, I snagged a carp. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, it can't be a carp because I felt the bait go crunch. You know, I felt it. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like I swooped up the side of something and, and stuck it. Then I'm thinking, I've got to be a catfish. And then it came up and, and surfaced with the fins out, and I saw the lines, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> i got to get this one. <laughs> Barely fit in the net, you know. Oh, I bet, man. But, That's huge. Uh, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. But, like, speaking of nets, Dinner. you know, they've all switched them now to the rubberized coating, mm -hmm. which makes it heavier, and it doesn't go through the water as good. And I think for two people, it's it's a good net to have in the boat. But for a single guy, you know, I've talked to Promar, mm -hmm. but it was before prior COVID, and they were we were talking about maybe making a single-man swim bait kind of net, and... Uh, you know, that just sort of got all screwed up with the COVID situation. But Is that the kind of net you use right now? It's Promar? Mm -hmm. Okay. But when I learned that they were going to quit making my net and they were hard to find, I knew certain tackle shops that had them, and I went around and bought every one I could find. Just like you did with the uh, HUD, yeah, right? Huds, yep. Yeah. When you first found it. And then I, <laughs> I found the same – I punched in the same number as my net, and I saw them on, on Amazon. So I – got a handful of them there and then when they got delivered they were the rubberized ones so i realized they're using the same number so you know i got six or seven of them as spares should last you know. yeah. oh yeah, yeah. you know because to me i would rather you know i like using the 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 fine mesh and not the uh not the old nylon kind because the nylon's stiff and everything but uh you know what if if you hook a big one and it gets in the net and it's all tangled up and stuff, and you got to cut it out with scissors. At least you're holding a 15 pound bass. What's the big deal? Oh, of you course. Yeah. And there's always zip ties, and you can right. zip tie it again until it finally gets to the point where it's you just got to replace it. Yeah. But it's a lucky net. Yeah. You know, and and it's when I go fishing in the morning before I even set up, man, I dip that net in the water and I get it all wet, nice and juicy, and I lay it right where it's That's supposed to be. That's a good thing be. to do. And that's good luck. Okay. Yeah. That's your good luck charm? I have good luck. And we smudge. Is that part of your, your ritual in the morning when you walk yes. in, you dip the net, put and it I, on the deck, and go? And I make a short cast. Short cast. You How many times have you got hit on that short cast? Never, because I make sure I'm not going to get hit. I okay. throw it in, in op deep open water, because if you catch a fish your first cast... Um, oh, you're one of them. You, you probably won't you're get scared, dead the rest done. of the day. Yeah. It's sort of like being the first guy on the tuna boat, yeah. and you get in the water, and you got the first tuna on deck before daylight, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to whoop them today. Nope. Yeah, that's and all of a sudden, fish. you're just watching people connected, man. Um, Speaking yeah. of tuna deck, I think what we're going to do for our next charter, I'm going to have Butch and Fumio on. So cool. they'll be the guest on this one, and we're going to go do something cool, maybe uh, – We'll see. End of March, hopefully, if you guys can lock down a date. I'll figure out a boat. It'll be a fun time. I think Matt Pano said he'd want to come, too. Matt likes that. Oh, so, yeah, cool. so I think it'll be you three coming on there, and uh, everyone can come hang out and fish with us. Yeah. So will. that'll be a fun charter. We will. Um, this will come out March 1st, I think. You're, March 1st? or Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, let's talk 
about anything you guys want to plug fumio or our uh butch just depth we like catching bottom fish <laughs> right <laughs> yeah we were talking about that you the love other rock day fish, yeah. huh? he rock likes rockfish yeah i like i like rockfish yeah yeah i'm well, always game yeah so we could do that even go do a cool rock fishing trip you know get some good fish tacos yeah right? that's the good that's Reds the good thing links. about going fishing on a boat like that is you can't lie about what you caught because you had 20 other guys <laughs> that already know what you caught. Exactly. Right. You know? <laughs> and Fumio, you know, he, uh, he goes out and he catches those big swordfish. Yeah. And he's caught what you get a 300 pounder on the spinning rod with the popper. Are you serious? The bluefin? No, it wasn't that big, but I've caught one. Who did you go swordfish with? Brandon. Brandon oh, hey, Hayward. Oh, no way. Well, I've, I've caught one with Brandon, and then I tag team another one with Wes. Oh, Wes is great. So He's fish. a good swim bait. Yeah. He's a good, yeah. Yeah, I've Wes fished with Brandon guy. and Wes yeah. quite a bit. And, great. And I, I caught a, uh, a super with Wes that was wow. on a, a flying fish. You know? Really? Spinning rod, I've, I've caught a one, what is it, like a 144 on a popper. No, 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 that's great. Yeah, that's so. That's a spinning rod. Yeah, spinning rod. <laughs> yeah, spinning right. rod, man. Popper. Uh, You're about so. it, huh? <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. You know, the, like the stuff going on last few years, you know. It's been great, Whether right? it's sea bass, tuna, or this swordfish stuff, it's like, you know, things you've never that heard of before. The swordfish stuff's crazy. I've had it's a couple guys crazy. on talk about it. It's just like a big catfish almost. Like you're looking for that rod to just... You know, yeah. the bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he tells me how deep they go and what they fish, and I'm just yeah. like, he's trying really to talk deep. me into going about two months reel? ago. Um, or did you use it? The, the first time, no. <laughs> we didn't have electric stuff Did you yet. give it to Wes and say, and you, then, you reeled up, Wes, I'm not doing it. <laughs> the second time with Wes, we had an electric. Okay. One, one was electric and one wasn't. Okay. And then now Brandon has uh, either electric reels or he has this power drill. Oh, I see that. I so see so that. now it's much easier. Yeah. But um, those Daiwa ones are but, nice. Those, yeah. Those, yeah. And, and and I think Brandon uses the Shimano. I, I don't know the name, but um, but the first trip it, it was all kind of manual and it, that's, yeah. that's a, you know basically you have to like switch off with a buddy just reeling in the i rig. can't imagine your shoulders just done yeah you know? told me and i'm just like yeah. but now <laughs> good. now it's now it's you know they have it down where it, it's a lot easier on the anglers so you know easier to bring the rig up and and even deploying everything yeah. it, it's it's very technical you know i i dig it because it's not just dropping down and waiting but like to deploy it correctly is very, very on technical, spot, you know? The, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. How, how you, you know, put the bait out first and then you clip on the sinker, you know, you have a rod with a buoy rig on, you, got, you know, all that's super technical. The rigging's technical. And then once you get bit too, the stuff you do to tease it, yeah, get it to right. bite, drop it down, tease it again. You know, it, it's, it's, to me, it's very interesting. I, I kind of like the technical No, I, I've had... I, you I've know. had Brandon, I've had Wes, and I've had Bill DePriest yeah. on. They've all caught big sword. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 yeah. A, I'm super interested <clears throat> in it as well. Um, yeah. Let's talk about, I know people want to know your rigs. So we'll kind of say what you throw for, say, the depths, 250, Fumi, and then we'll go to Butch, because I know people have asked that question a couple times. Oh. <clears throat> so like line, yeah. reel, rod. So uh, I'm, I'm using, um, depth rods. I, I, the for my slide swimmer 250 i'm using the uh sidewinder uh, the sidewinder um 
The Dom driver is the name of the rod. I, mm-hmm. I think Butch is the same one too. Although Butch has a custom version with cork grips, I use the EVA. Yeah, yeah the okay. regular foam grip kind of stuff. Um, so th- that's my main rod. Mm-hmm. Um, for rubber baits, um, I've used the uh, the Loomis 957. You know, Butch has used that too. Like you can't for get the that huts. anymore, right? Can no. you get that? You can't get that. Yeah. So, and what about uh, reels? Reels. Oh, um, b- before I I go to reels. Uh, so the rod I'm using now for the rubber baits, I'm using the Ritual Angling, um, uh, like the WBE 800. I forget if it's XH or H. You can't get that anymore either. I think that was like a special production really line they had for like a Fred Haw show. Okay. And I, I only have one, you know. So. Uh-huh. But I've used, like, Dobbins rods in yeah. the past, too. Real-wise, uh, like Butch, I often use a Shimano Calcutta 400. But uh, I'm also using a lot of the Daiwa reels now, too, the Lexas. You know, Have you Lexa tried the Tatula 300. 300 yet? I just bought one, like, a month ago. I want to know how that is. 300. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, I feel like it does cast a little better because of that T-wing system thing. I love thing. the T-wing, yeah. Um, I I really like reels, especially during the winter time. That's lower gear ratio, so I'm not using those reels as much. I'm going back to the more the uh, the Shimano Calcutta 400 or some of the older um, Daiwa Millionaires mm-hmm. that have like a five to one gear ratio. Um, but during the summertime, I, I've been fishing the Alexa 300s and stuff. You know, right. um, I've used Shimano reels too. I, I like them all. I, I'm I've been using more the Daiwa just because their um, their headquarters is so close. Like you know, like like I can t- I can drop it off. It's in Cerritos. That's so right by like, your school. Yeah, it's right by work, so yeah. I can take it there, have it serviced, you know. And so just out of convenience, yeah. they're great reels and very convenient. So I've been using more yeah. of the Daiwa stuff. But in the past, I used a lot of Shimano reels too, okay. and they're great too. Yeah. Uh, line, uh, same with Butch, the Abrasics, and. Um, Hooks too, you know. I swap out the hooks on the uh, depth two fifty, the bronze gammy hooks. Although mm-hmm. last summer, I experimented a little bit with some of the twin hook stuff, um, but using both right now. Um, I, I guess that's that's my gear. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Butch. Pretty close to the same, except I stick with the Calcutta four hundred. All your reels are Calcutta four hundred. Yep. Wow. They all feel the same in my Are hand. Are they TEs it's, or it's, just the 400s? No, the 400s. I had problems with the TEs. They, really? Yeah, I'd blow through them every six months. You know, the, the 400s, they, they're a workhorse. Are they're, you changing out the handle on them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've okay. got nice handles on okay. them, you know. Um, and I bend and crack handles, but I got those uh, carbon fiber kind, you know. They're pretty nice, Yeah. you know. And then same i fished the 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 uh the sidewinder from depths and i also fished my 957s you know the uh seagar braze x mm-hmm. 20 pound i never much go over that but we have the uh new rod from depths for the super big swim baits the strong mine the strong mine okay. and uh, that you i just got a spool of 25 pound nice because the baits are much much bigger you <laughs> yeah, know they're, right yeah. they're like that huge so, yeah and that's something to play with you know but i like the wider spools because when i make those long casts my spool isn't you know super small i still got line on there and i 
I've used the reel so much in my life. It's like getting into a car you've had 10 years. You know everything about it. You don't even have to look at it, you know, and it just, everything is smooth. And, and I've, I've, I've tried other reels just to try them that might have a taller spool or, you know, they might be the latest and greatest. But, but the Calcutta is so smooth, what, no matter what bait you have on it, that I've had reels where I'm throwing a wake bait and I could, every time that bait turns, I can feel it sort of bind up. You feel something odd. It's not smooth. And so that's gone, you know. And um, So I stick with that. And, uh, you know, it, it just works. It's a workhorse, you know. My, if it isn't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, my, tu- like my tuna good. stuff, yeah. I've got upgraded on that a bit, you know. But I still fish my internationals. Mm-hmm. And, stuff like that and he let me try his akuma which is a nice reel you know which one do you have i have the uh like the makairas the big ones like the the 20 and the 50s that i've been using for the local you know big blue fin and stuff fishing the jigs yeah you know you like that one huh oh yeah that's a nice (laughs) yeah yeah. but you know the like my my pens you know all my 50 wides and 80s and 50s and 30s uh you know they've been out there a lot, a lot of days for twenty something years, and I don't have problems with them because you know I take them to Cal Sheets, mm-hmm. and then he goes through them and blueprints them and nice. and upgrades everything. Yeah. So they have free sp- or take it to Takas, and I have yeah. he 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 gets that thing spinning like no other. And, yeah. You know I need dependability when I'm out there. You know like yeah. you know it's like a guy walking the shore at night. If you got a reel that's going to break down on you, well you got to walk home, man. You, yeah. you need something that's going to be durable and, and yeah. hangs in there. And and you know Matt Pano is bringing in the line of depths rods now, so it'll be the first time they're ever sold in the United States. That's gonna be great. That's going to be a, a big deal. For we'll be him. talking about that because he'll be he'll be right behind you on the episodes. Yeah, you'll so. be right oh, cool. in there, and there's yeah. a question you need to ask. Yeah, him. yeah. I can't wait. That's cool. He he knows all that stuff. Oh, he, he's got a great story too, Matt. So yeah, this will be great. Thanks again, Butch, for coming on. Thank you, Fumio, for coming well, on. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for all the support, Butch. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Over the not last a problem. Year, man. Can I uh, show your viewers the uh, newest color that's going to be coming you out bet. on the Depths Two Hundred and Fifty? Yeah. Maybe you can hold it up to the yeah. camera a little closer. But that's the new American Shad that uh, be coming out in a couple of months. They're in, in the process of finalizing it, and uh, that's going to be the new one. That's nice, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You can almost catch white sea bass and yellowtail <laughs> on that right. one. Mm-hmm. You I will on that one. Yeah. It's weighted for you. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you. Yeah, it's not I one of those it. slow sinkers. <laughs> it's, you. I know you, so. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming on. Now we're going to eat some. Uh, Thank you I got to finish much. this uh, tri-tip up All and right. have some. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs>